This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app. You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's path with an S. Hello and welcome to the Thanks for Sharing podcast. I'm John T. And I'm Jackie P. Uh, we're here again today with our friend Amy Smith. We had her on a Hello. couple months ago. Yeah. So glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to talk to Amy today about coaching because uh, Amy is a recovery coach mm-hmm. um, and does brilliant work with that. And um, this is an area that I think is emerging in the recovery community yeah. um, and is super valuable. So we wanted to have a conversation around that today. Yeah, thanks. I know when I started uh, when I started my own podcast, Worth Recovery, um, I guess it's been almost two years ago now. Has it been that long? I know, right? February will be two years. So that was awesome. Yeah, a little crazy. But um, I didn't even really know what recovery coaching was. Like, mm-hmm. it was not something that I had really heard about or wasn't available to me when I first started my recovery. So it was really interesting to kind of learn about that field and then decide that that was something that I wanted to be a part of and yeah. be able to to help other people. Yeah. And I would say on our, because John and I are both CSAT, so we're certified sex addiction therapists, and we belong to a listserv with all CSATs. And I've seen probably two different threads recently come up about recovery coaching. And I would say for the most part, what I'm seeing in those threads is most CSATs are supportive of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it's a little bit still something that's emerging. Yeah. So let's let's define a little bit and then we can kind of compare and contrast between therapy and coaching um, mm-hmm. w- with the, re- with the uh, understanding that one doesn't replace the other. Right. They work in concert together. So Amy, what is coaching? And why why would people need a coach? Yeah, so I define coaching as kind of the process of stabilization. So when you come into recovery, right, your life is pretty much in chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't recognize that, within a few weeks you'll you'll start to feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've there's a lot of things that need to happen in order for you to stabilize your life to the point where recovery is going to actually sink in and work and stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those things have to do with just basic daily routines. They have to do with um, getting into therapy, finding a support group, a meeting, um, and having someone to be accountable to, and also someone to just talk with. A lot of times when you come into recovery or you make the decision that I'm an addict, you feel really isolated and scared and alone and you need someone that can say yeah me too mm-hmm. yeah me too you know over and over and over again with everything that comes up yeah me too mm-hmm. and a lot of times you know you if you have a really good recovery community you might be able to find that in a sponsor maybe mm-hmm. but there is a big lack of sponsors and there's a big lack of of solid recovery communities out there mm-hmm. and so recovery coaching helps to to kind of fit that that mm-hmm. need for people. Yeah, and that was, I'm glad that you spoke to that. That was one of the questions that came up for me. Isn't that what a sponsor does with somebody? And I think it's important to realize that um, not all sponsors are created equal and not all uh, communities are equipped mm-hmm. yeah. um, to provide, provide what people need. Well, and I would also say if you've got a great sponsor and you have a strong recovering community, you're lucky. 
and that's good. But then the sponsor can focus on helping you work the steps because right. we also know that there's been a decrease in people attending the meetings who actually are working the steps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been speculation about why 12 steps are maybe not as effective as they used to be. And part of that is that people aren't working the steps. They aren't working them, right. Mm-hmm. So we've got to get sponsors who can really take people through the steps. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the day-to-day routine, the accountability, the check-in becomes so demanding that we don't get back to the steps, right. right? So ideally, I think it would be great to have a therapist, to have a coach, and to have a sponsor. Yeah. And, and that... You know, we've, we've talked a lot about the importance of relationships and the importance of community in recovery. And I know you talk about that on your podcast too, Amy. And, and to me, what that highlights, the, the role of the therapist, the coach, and the sponsor, is that you need a community yeah. um, mm-hmm. around you. And sometimes that community materializes or you're lucky and it's there. But often you have to get really deliberate about building it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think some people can enter recovery and they uh, can be in some denial about how complex it is mm-hmm. and what it's going to take. And so, you know, they may find a sponsor and say, my sponsor is going to get me there. And you, know, you mentioned, Amy, like some of the gaps that are there. Yeah. Um, or somebody may enter recovery and... Um, we're gonna have to edit this out because I don't know where I was gonna go. Okay. Anyway, um, but so so there's I, I feel like there's a real importance in community and creating that community with people who play specific roles. I think leads to stabilization a lot quicker mm-hmm. um, and and more stable stabilization. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Like for me, my first probably six or seven months um, in therapy. So I started my therapy and my twelve step community like the same week. And probably within a couple weeks, I realized that this was not going to cut it. Like, Mm -hmm. I would go to therapy and cry my whole hour and just talk about, like, one thing that happened in my week, knowing that there was 50 other million things that were Mm -hmm. blowing up. And it just, and it wasn't cutting it. And my sponsor was great, but she's a volunteer and she works full time. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, she has other people that she sponsors and and all that kind of stuff. And I needed more. Mm -hmm. And so I, I went to therapy two to three times a week, mm-hmm. um, my first probably six or seven months in recovery. Mostly because I needed, I just needed to talk to someone about things that I I couldn't do with anybody else. And my life was blowing up. Um, yeah. And so I needed a lot more. I think had I had that combination of like a sponsor, a coach, and a therapist, things would have been a lot different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I could have used my coach for a lot more of that day-to-day like I just need to get this out mm-hmm. and focused more on trauma and focused more on things in therapy that would actually move my life forward rather than just have to regurgitate all the stuff that was happening in my head mm-hmm. yeah so I, I've had that conversation with clients in which you know kind of a year a year and a half into our work together we're getting to what I would term the therapeutic issues mm-hmm. and we we by necessity had to spend the first year to year and a half working on stabilization. Right. And you know, it was those questions of, should I, I I did this, I'm thinking I'm going to do that. And I'm like, no, you cannot do that. Like, (laughs) why would you do that? You can't control You're being controlling. Like all of those things that maybe are better served by a sponsor or a coach, 
but I was also having to play mm-hmm. that role. Mm-hmm. And so it keeps us from doing the family of origin work. It keeps us from doing those therapeutic issues that, like you said, help to really move it forward and integrate all of the pieces. Right. Yeah. And even even seeing my therapist two to three times a week, I would say it wasn't until six, seven, eight months in that I could get to those family of origin issues mm-hmm. um, because it just took so much to stabilize my life. And my life, you know, when I say like stabilize my life, I mean, I didn't have kids or a husband, you know, that I was worried about or a partner or things like that. It was just like my siblings, mm-hmm. my work life, my friends, you know, there were things like that that just, I didn't know how to handle anything. And, um, and I had no ability to emotionally regulate. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I had to learn all those skills um, and it took, it took some time. Mm-hmm. But I think, I know like with the women and the, even the men that I work with, Um, We work on a lot of that right up front, you know, like what is emotional regulation? Mm -hmm. Do you have skills to do that? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what that is. You know, those are things that like a coach who has that experience can teach and can model and can talk about Mm -hmm. and can talk through and give you examples and and those types of things where, you know, and then there are things, though, that I I definitely can't do or it's not ethical for me to Mm -hmm. even do or talk about with clients you know I could talk about it with them but definitely they need a therapist to Mm -hmm. be able to walk them through a a different process well and I I would say you know because on the therapist side we have different ethical boundary issues Uh that we've got to be um, mindful of and and so I think you know as a therapist my clients are not likely to see me in my regular life right right like if I were going to meetings I don't go to meetings that I know my clients are at Right. Um, whereas with the coach, I mean, I know you coach a lot of people out of state, but mm-hmm. you, you might be in a meeting with them, mm-hmm. right? You might run in the same recovery circles, um, but they also may have more glimpses into your life to look at, oh, that's what that skill looks like, or that's what emotional regulation looks like, which again, as a therapist, I mean, I'll say to my clients, you know, if you were to see me out and about, it's not like you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is a totally different person, right? Because I do have alignment in my life. Right. You know, if you were sitting behind me at a restaurant, you might hear things that I'm not going to talk to you about in my session. But it's not like, what? She's a totally (laughs) different person. Right. I had no idea, right? Like, you might get more info, but I'm still the same person. Um, Whereas a coach, you might get more of that. Like, that's what that skill looks like in action. And I think people early in recovery have to have a model for that. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk a little bit about my my personal awakening to coaching. Um, So I decided, uh, I think when I was 21, I decided I wanted to be a therapist. And of course, without any education, I got really snooty about (laughs) being a therapist and particularly being a, a clinical social worker. Um, you know, just really idealistic about it. And I remember uh, talking to a person who does coaching for porn addiction recovery. Um, and we were we were on the phone and he said, let's be real. Coaching is just a way to do therapy without having to get a license. And I remember feeling this like, oh, you're slime and all coaches are slime. Um, and you're, you're honing in on something that you're just too lazy to get the education and, and put the work into it that I'm doing. And then... Um, how long, three or four years ago when we did uh, multiple addiction therapists Mm -hmm. training with the Mm -hmm. financial and work disorders, um, one of the things the presenter said, uh, she said, I think therapists would be benefited by learning how to be more like coaches 
when you work on particular issues. And then she mm-hmm. talked about how coaches are really action oriented. Mm-hmm. Let's have a plan. Let's move this forward. Let's be accountable. Um, and that really started to change the narrative in my head around what coaching could do. Because I realized as a therapist, um, I, I can do some of that work with my clients, but that's not what my training focuses mm-hmm. on. And that's not what my knowledge base focuses on. I'm much better at helping people get into the past and sort through emotions or to more hear of the trauma. abstract. I can do, yeah, I can do a lot more of the abstract stuff, but I, um, I, I haven't trained my brain to be in the concrete stuff like a coach will do. Well, and there are coaches out there who think that coaching gives them the permission to be a therapist without having to do the educational and professional licensing mm-hmm. hoops. And if you know a coach like that, you should steer clear of them because yeah. that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's, unfor- like, coaching is a very unregulated field right now. You it's, know? it's emerging. It's yeah, new. there are a lot of different places that offer coaching certifications. Um, and and in some places it's a five day, you know, full week, like learn about coaching. And in some instances it's like a three hour, you know, go out and they supposedly they have the same certification. Like it's just, it's really unregulated and really crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked into a lot of different certifications and things like that for my own. I am, um, my educate, my background is in education. I was a teacher, uh, for many years and, uh, and I certified in a program called cognitive coaching, mm. which, um, I think is used mostly for teachers helping other teachers learn how to teach better. Right. Mm. And so there's a lot of coaching skills that I had to learn in that area. Um, and it's all action oriented, right? Mm-hmm. It's all like, what's your plan? Mm-hmm. You know, I think probably my coaching clients hate that phrase because <laughs> that's like the phrase I use all the time. Like, okay, so what's your plan? Like, they really what, what are you going to mm-hmm. do? You know, yeah. like, what are you going to do next? Like, okay, yeah, that sucks. Like, what's your plan? You mm-hmm. know, and, and having that, like, you know, we put a lot of different like routines and plans in place because it is about that action, you know, mm-hmm. orientation as far well, as Well, and it go. is getting somebody new in recovery to really start having to think four steps ahead right and see what's coming down the pipeline instead of just like i just go with the wind and what happens happens and realizing that they have a choice right right Right. i think i know i lived in that victim mentality in addiction for so long of like i don't have a choice like this is my life and i have to do this you know Mm -hmm. or whatever so just realizing all those things and I would say if your coach, you know, I work with a lot of different clients, but if your coach, you know, is says things like I'm a, I can, you know, I'm a therapist or, um, or I can, you know, we can do work on that here. You don't need to go to therapy or Mm -hmm. things like that. That, that for me is total red flags. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's a, there's a, a line there between I'm not trained as a therapist. And I tell my clients that right off the bat, like I am not your therapist, you know, like. I, we can work on a lot of different things, and there's a lot of things that I can give you and we can talk about, and I think you should take them to your therapist and talk to your therapist mm-hmm. about them, you know, and we should have those discussions, you know, and those types of things, but I'm not your therapist, so, like, I'm not going to dig into a whole lot of the trauma of your past mm-hmm. because that's not... I'm not trained to deal with that. I'm not trained right. to open that up and then, you know, close it in a way that, you know, you can get on with your life. Like, I don't know how to do that. That's not yeah. something that I'm trained in. Where you know, coaches are much more, do. like present day and forward focused therapists have that ability to go into the past and then look at how it's showing up presently how how it might impact the future right and and saying that um 
one route is not superior to the other. No. I, I think both are really, really needed and important. So, so if you're talking to your therapist or your coach and there's this like, oh, that's piddly stuff, go talk to your coach about it, or I guess you could go talk to your therapist about it. If there's that kind of dichotomy, I, I think you should be aware there too, like that should be some red flag stuff uh-huh. too. Yeah. Because um, again, in recovery, we need a connected, supportive community and connected, supportive communities don't have hierarchies. Right, right. Right. I have run into the instance of like um, one of the cl- one of the clients I was working with, their therapist doesn't believe that sex could be an addiction. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm a sex addiction recovery coach. Right. And this this client identified as sex as a sex addict and was going to 12 step meetings. But yet their therapist was like sex addiction doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, that's a fundamental like difference in Mm -hmm. belief you know we can't be a team here we can't Mm -hmm. be a team right Right. and so i said to the client like you got to make a choice like this is what i believe this is what you have told me like you know it's not it's not in your best interest to keep seeing both of us like Mm -hmm. that's not going to work you know and i'm not going to constantly sit here and rebut everything that this therapist says like that's not worth my time either Mm -hmm. you know so you have to make a choice on what you think is the best route and if you want to go with him awesome yeah Mm -hmm. i have no problems with that see and just as an example being the therapist over here i'm like i'm looking at that going what's the repetition there right like (laughs) to have these two people who are fundamentally opposed what mom dad dynamic is playing Mm -hmm. out what like what's going on there right like that's kind of that therapeutic role whereas the coach is like okay you've got to make a choice like (laughs) what are we going to do about this right yeah like you can't yeah exactly you know that's that's a good example right of the differences between what coaches and therapists focus on right or you know, what they want to be working yeah. with you on. Yeah. Yeah. I often find, as, as you guys were talking there, I often find with my clients, I'm doing a lot of like, let's slow that down. Uh-huh. Um, and, and again, from where I'm trained and, and what I do, that's often what makes sense. Let's slow that down. And I, I'm really grateful for the good work coaches do that are like, let's not keep it, like, let's keep things moving that uh-huh. need to be moving. Right. Let's speed this up. Like, uh-huh. let's not, let's not belabor the point here. And, right. and and the truth is like we need mm-hmm. both of that. Like mm-hmm. we need we need to slow down, we need to get more careful, and we also need to just take action so that right. we can start getting mm-hmm. data about what our change process is doing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, like I really focus with my clients on the day to day. You know, like let's keep your life moving. Like, you know, you can't just stop. Like I wish that we could just stop and like spend six months and recover and then re-enter life and then things would be great right but that's just not how it works and Mm -hmm. so there's got to be that continual like we are moving forward your life is moving you have to pay attention to your children your education your school your spouse whatever it is you've got to make all that stuff work while you're slowing down with your therapist Mm -hmm. to deal with some of those issues that are Mm -hmm. causing some of these problems Mm -hmm. you know and so yeah it's a it's kind of that uh, juxtaposition that really makes for a good recovery team yeah. when you can have that someone that's helping you with the day-to-day and then you know the slowing down for the past and trauma work that needs to happen so I, I wanted to ask the question um, for, for you doing recovery coaching Amy um, what's the ideal person what, what's the ideal place for a person to be or, or how does a person know they need a recovery coach what are some of the things that might be going on in their life that a recovery coach could be a good answer for? Mm-hmm. So I would say if you're not making any 
sobriety recover, uh, sobriety progress. So a lot of the clients come to me and they've been maybe they've been in recovery for six, eight months, maybe mm-hmm. even two years, and yet they have not been able to put together any long-term sobriety, um, whether that's even just a few weeks or a few mm-hmm. months or things like that. So. They may even be going to really regular meetings. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I work with um, I work with a gentleman who had been going to meetings for years and going to therapy for years, and yet has not been able to put any sobriety together. Um, and so he came to me and said, "You know, I listened to your podcast. That's how he learned about uh, recovery coaching, and uh, and I I don't know if you work with men. I do work with men. So he was just like, I I need to figure this out. So." We've been working together now for, I don't know, maybe eight months. Mm. And uh, he's got three, four months of sobriety. Wow. So that's the most he's had in a really long time Mm -hmm. um, since he entered recovery. Mm -hmm. And so just like trying to get, you know, that stabilization, learning how to emotionally regulate, putting some routines in place, you know, to keep really focused and then, you know, being accountable. Oh, one of the things that like is different, we talked earlier about like ethics between like what a coach can do and what a therapist can do, right? So like I can take calls at midnight, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's not something that as a therapist that you that you do, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Or, you know, I get a text in the middle of the day, hey, let's can we chat for five minutes? Mm-hmm. Well, sure. You know, that's something I can do that you guys can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of differences. Can there. we meet up for coffee? Right, right. We're not going to do that with our clients. Right, right. Can we chat about this, you know, for 10 minutes or whatever the deal is? And so that um, is an option for recovery coaches that therapists can't provide. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and there's that kind of, you know, you talked earlier about a sponsor being a volunteer, and I, I think everybody needs a volunteer in their life, and that's really totally. important. But um, the, the coach, quote-unquote, being on the payroll like they are, I, I think there's part of that contract is the availability. Mm-hmm. Part of that contract is when you call, I'll pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, because you are my job. Like, this is the focus of my day is helping you mm-hmm. go through there. Whereas a, a sponsor would have... Um, a full-time job, um, other sponsees, like, be kind of putting recovery in, in the holes, and a therapist would have other clients and, and family and things like the coach, their job is to be very involved in your life and walk you through day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As involved as you'll let me be. Yeah. Right? Um, I know, like, at first, a lot of clients, like, I'll say things like, you can call and text me, mm-hmm. and it will take weeks or sometimes mm-hmm. months for them to build up the courage to call you, you mm-hmm. know, in the middle of the day or mm-hmm. text you in the middle of the day, you know, or whatever the situation is. So, yeah, but yeah, I'll be in, as involved as you'll let me be mm-hmm. involved in your life. Mm-hmm. Which I think is so important because clients that I work with as a therapist, they're not going to learn that skill, mm-hmm. right? Which is part of the issue underneath the addiction that I don't really rely on people. I don't trust that people will be there for me, that people care about me. Um, And and so to get that, not just intellectually, like, yeah, I read about that in the books, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But that, no, I I did just reach out and say, hey, can we have a 10-minute phone call? And they said, yeah, give me 10 and I'm available, right? That they're experiencing people showing up and people caring and being there for them. And that... 
that has to happen for it, particularly with the sex addiction because you know I mean I I work with clients who have had a lot of success like in AA or NA or different things like that but would never touch their relationship issues in AA sobriety um, and with SA like I don't know how you work a sexual addiction without touching the relationship you, you issues. You can't even start unless you're no, like, relationship right. issues. Exactly. <laughs> just from the very beginning. Relationship, right? right? And so and so I've had people who will come in and say, I've got, you know, fifteen years sobriety of AA and I just it just dawned on me I have relationship issues. Or the, my sponsor finally said, I think you need to work on your sexual stuff. Which is great. Um, but they've got a it, it's a feeling like I've got to start feeling differently in relationships. And a coach can do that for them. Sponsors can do that too. Therapists are limited in how we can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm a huge advocate of, of therapy, right? Like I've been in therapy since day one. And I will probably be in therapy the rest of my life. And I'm <laughs> totally okay with that. Um, and there are there are those boundaries in therapy. You know, like when I show up in therapy and I say, this is what I'm struggling with, Right. Sometimes my therapist says, yeah, I I get that. I've been there or tells me a story. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they just sit there and you're like, okay, I, okay, I just, you know, like I have to keep talking through this, right? Um, But as a coach, you know, because I have been through relationship issues, right? Because I have an intimacy disorder, because I've dealt with sex addiction, because that's my deal, um, it's a lot different. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when they tell me a story, I'm like, oh yeah, man, I did that. Like, mm-hmm. I did that, you know, and we get to have that conversation that says, I did that and you did that. And why did we do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's a different conversation than it is when you sit in a therapist's office because mm-hmm. your therapist might be trained in sex addiction. Hopefully they are if you're a sex addict because you need that. Um, but they're not all sex addicts, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and and that's great. You don't you don't need them to be a sex addict, but you do need for that relationship recovery mm-hmm. piece, someone who has been a sex addict to show up and say, yeah, me too, mm-hmm. you know? And I did that and yeah, and I don't, it's it's horrible to think about, well, you know? And there again, I see one of the ways that therapy and coaching works together really well. Like I, I often see my, my job in, in my office when my clients are here is to keep my emotions and my experience enough out of the picture that you can experience yours as clearly and as vividly as possible. Because mm-hmm. um, most people as they're going through their everyday lives and their everyday relationships, that gets really muddled. And I think mm. that's part of why people come in in pain is because they don't know where they end and somebody else begins. Mm-hmm. And that's, at least initially, that's a lot of the work that I'm doing with mm-hmm. my clients is that's, <laughs> right. that's yours and this is mine. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of that sorting out. Um, and that's something that we need. Uh, we also need someone who will dive right in and will kind of help us support in our mm-hmm. emotions. Or even, you know, when we feel shame and somebody else talks about their story around shame, like we take a shame bath together, but mm-hmm. not in the, like we're getting locked in it, but we, we let ourselves feel that together in a relationship. And I, I think we need the experience of being able to feel it in connection with somebody and also just to be able to feel it as ours. Yeah. Not worrying about somebody else. Yeah, that reminds me of the Brene Brown video that 
I know you guys referenced like a little bit ago on your podcast, but the one about empathy, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you're, you feel like you're in the bottom of this pit, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the goat from the top, you know, that's like, hey, what are you doing down there, right? And sometimes, you know, the addict at that bottom of the pit needs someone to sit there in the shame bath with them mm-hmm. and say, to climb down that ladder, to climb down the ladder and sit and next to them and, and say, yeah, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, that's what it felt like for me mm-hmm. too, you know, or, yeah, I still feel shame when I think about that behavior, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. and as a coach, um, that's, I mean, like, you know, what do we look for in a coach? Like, that's what I look for, right? Like, I look for someone's sobriety that I admire. Um, I look for somebody who, when they talk about things, they have a felt sense of this, of what recovery is mm-hmm. or how their life has changed, right? Someone that, you know, whose life I want to emulate, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I look for when a therapist that's what I look for in a coach right that's what I look for as someone who's who's got something that I want to emulate in my life well and and that brings me to because some of what we've been talking about kind of looks like what's needed at the beginning stages of recovery but I see this necessary role also for people who have sobriety mm-hmm. uh, but they're working on later stage recovery work and they need a coach there too right and and some of that is learning how to be relational, right? And sometimes that relationship now, instead of it being a one-way relationship, it becomes a two-way relationship, right? But I'm in that place as a therapist where I say to clients, I'm not going to ask you to meet my needs, right? Because that's that's an ethical boundary that mm-hmm. therapists need to maintain. So if I'm coming in and I've got a bad day, I'm not going to give that to my clients and say, hey, could you support me, make me feel better, right? But I think that is a necessary step that coaches can do, mm-hmm. right? That that now that you've got enough sobriety, you've got to start showing up relationally. And the coach does put some of that onto the client, to the recovery coaching client, mm-hmm. in terms of saying, here's how it feels in this relationship with you when I ask you for things you dissolve or you go back to this child or you you make it all about you mm-hmm. right and and that's such a necessary piece mm-hmm. i think to kind of get into that later stage of of sobriety and of, of recovery right right absolutely so like the first you know the first thing we do is stabilization you know and then we move if when they start to move into that sobriety piece we start looking at other things right Mm -hmm. like for a lot of women it's dating right Mm -hmm. like because a lot of the women that i work with are single and they they get some sobriety they start to get some recovery and then they're like i want to be in relationships like i want that piece but i can i've never been able to make that work in the past Mm -hmm. like how do i make that work right and so we talk about dating plans and we talk about like how, you know, how do you respond to things and, and the stages of relationships and different things like that, like Patrick Carnes work on, you know, the courtship inventory mm-hmm. and things like that. But yeah, as you get more recovery, like you mentioned earlier, the people that come in from AA who have 15 or so years, mm-hmm. right? Well, AA and I'm not, to, I'm not trying to like knock it or anything, but you can you can literally just flip the switch and say I'm never gonna have to I don't have to have a relationship with alcohol mm-hmm. right like I don't have to have a relationship with whiskey I never or drink done done I mean not that it's always that simple but right. that's the essence of it right you can't do that with sex addiction you yeah. know like we are wired to be sexual beings and to be in relationships and so there is more that has to work there's more work that has to happen in 
learning to be relational with people, learning to show up, learning to hold space. What is what do all those terms mean? You know, we mm -hmm. throw them around like all the time, but what does that actually look like? Mm -hmm. What does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. And so it is different. It's really different. I I just experienced a massive loss in my life, and it was really interesting to see how some of my clients dealt with that. Mm -hmm. You know, like um, I had to take some time off from coaching because I had to deal with some issues and some of them were super supportive of that and some of them couldn't handle that you know mm -hmm. and to just kind of see where people were at relationally mm -hmm. um, was interesting for me yeah. yeah so so Amy if, if somebody's listening to this and they're saying I think a coach might be something I need how does somebody go about finding the right recovery coach yeah so um, I would say you, you, you got to find somebody who is has a similar addiction that, that you do. Um, I don't think that like, uh, there are a lot of recovery coaches out there. If you just Google recovery coach, tons of different- You'll be webs, overwhelmed. You'll be overwhelmed. <laughs> tons of different people and things like that come up, you know? So I would say like, you've got to find someone that's similar. Um, I've talked to several coaches that are that do like alcohol and drugs, and they have a whole different approach than mm -hmm. what I do with sex addiction, or even you know with food or things like that, behavioral mm -hmm. type addictions, process addictions. Um, so I would say you want to find someone that has something similar, and then I would say you want to find someone that has something about their life or their recovery that you want to emulate in your life mm -hmm. or recovery. You know, if if they're just this person and they say and you have no connection with them then it's not really going to benefit you mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a lot of the clients that I work with know my podcast so they know a lot about my life because I share a lot on my podcast and so that you know having that available for people to listen to you know listen to it decide mm -hmm. if that's something you want in your life right if if some of the things that I talk about and my podcasts resonate with you then maybe you know that would be a good a good option for you and a lot of pod a lot of coaches have videos or podcasts or things like that on their website that you can look at watch as much as you can decide mm -hmm. if that's something that you want to emulate if that's something about them that kind of resonates or clicks with you that's what you want to do and then decide if you want to do something local or if you're okay with phone or Skype and kind of see what the options are right okay because there are a lot of local options for a lot of people mm -hmm. in bigger cities mm -hmm. not in rural areas but in bigger cities there are a lot of local options um, but a lot, like I do all, I do almost all of mine exclusively on Skype or on the phone. Mm. So either option, you know, mm -hmm. whatever works for you, just kind of, and then make sure that they have hours that work for you, mm -hmm. you know, that, that they're available, those types of things. Most coaches will offer you some kind of complimentary 30 minute session or something like that. You know, decide, like, ask them, you know, what, what makes you a good coach? You know, interview them. You mm -hmm. know, what credentials do you have? Why are you doing this? You know, ask those types of questions. I know on, when I do those thirty-minute calls, you know, I'm asking my I'm asking my potential client things like, you know, why are you want a coach, right? Why are you seeking this in your life? Like, are you willing to do what I ask you to do? How mm -hmm. willing are you? You mm -hmm. know, that type of thing. Um, so I think there's a lot of different options out there, and then I would say you need to make sure that your coach either has a coach or has a therapist mm -hmm. because I'm not I'm not any good to my clients you know if I'm not do, continuing to do my own work mm -hmm. if I'm not engaged in that recovery process all the time then I'm not good to my clients you mm -hmm. know and so I have you know I have those things in place that I work with and so if if you're if your coach doesn't that's to me is a red flag mm -hmm. yeah 
I I had a phone call a couple of weeks ago with somebody who just found me online and reached out and said, hey, I'm thinking of becoming a therapist. This is kind of what I'm interested in doing. Do you have time for a phone call? She was like in North Carolina or something. So we did this phone call and she said, one of the things that I feel bad about is I've had a lot of therapy in my life. And so like, how, how do you navigate that? Like, so because she was seeing that as a deficit, right? Mm. That that was somehow going to make her a bad therapist. And I had to say, like, here's the secret. <laughs> Good therapists have had therapy. Right. Bad therapists never go to therapy, right? right. Like, right. that it's is, an you're asset. seeing that yeah. as a strength, mm. uh, yeah, as a weakness. And that is a strength. And I hope one that you continue as necessary. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that therapy is kind of this revolving door that you move in and out of as needed. Right. Yeah. How, how do people find you specifically for coaching? So if you go to my website, worthrecovery.com, um, on the front, one of the options across the bottom, it says podcast, events, and coaching. So you just click on the coaching. If there's some information about me, you can sign up for a free 30-minute session. We'll get you scheduled and talk to you about how all of that works. And I would, I would also say, like, you know, I offer a variety of packages of coaching. Mm-hmm. Most people do, you know. Um, one of the packages I do offer is strictly 12-step work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you want to go through the 12 steps? Well, I've been through the 12 steps, you know. Like, I've taken a lot of people through the 12 steps. So if that's something that you want, that's just all you want, that's great. I'll mm-hmm. work with you on that, you know. Or we can do this stabilization type thing. Um, just different intensities, okay. you know, those types of things. So, nice. yeah. Nice. And we'll put links to all of that in the notes of this show. So make sure that you come and check that out and uh, check in with the great work that Amy's doing. Thanks for joining us again yeah. today. We love yeah. having you on. Well, thanks for having me. And thanks for being supportive of coaching. There mm-hmm. are a lot of therapists that really struggle with that. And, um, and I think there's a lot of coaches that struggle with it too, right? There, mm-hmm. We don't need to be um, at odds with each other. Right. I think there's so much work that we can do in tandem that will really, really help people. Mm-hmm. There's there's way too much going around for anyone to be greedy about right. doing it all. Right, <laughs> right, for sure, yeah. for sure. At the end of this episode, we want to remind you that your story matters. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths, Inc., or um, on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I'm learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to re- to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.